what primary 2020 meant, and what fights lay ahead. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. So we're going to be joined momentarily by uh, Sochi Nemica, who's the um, New York Working Families Party director. We've got a lot to talk with her about as uh, sort of our last question to Sean Donovan there is is really where we'll pick up with Sochi. She joins us momentarily. And that's basically about what's happening within the Democratic Party and how the the left is surging and ascendant and the moderate, you know, uh, lane of the party has a lot to watch over their shoulder for. We are, I believe, now joined by our guest, who is the New York director of the Working Families Party, Sochi Nemica. Thanks so much for joining us. Sorry about the technical difficulties. Welcome to Max and Murphy. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, why don't uh, this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, of course, with Jared Murphy from City Limits. Um, why don't you take us through? We were discussing before you came on uh, how the WFP just had a very big and strong primary season here in New York with a lot of endorsed candidates winning. Um, why don't you take us through from your vantage point just some of the highlights or the takeaways from what we just saw transpire in these New York primaries? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, we saw tremendous victories uh, up and down the state for Working Families Party endorsed candidates um, and our allies, our coalition of, of affiliates and organizations uh, who choose to do electoral politics uh, with us and through the party. And what we saw were uh, progressive candidates running on strong, unapologetically progressive platforms win up and down the state, from Rochester to Ithaca to the Rockaways to Brooklyn. And what we saw was a strong appetite of voters for candidates who are speaking clearly to the scale of the crisis that New Yorkers are in, right? COVID, um, the oncoming economic crisis, the uprisings response to a crisis in, in unaccountable policing, uh, and candidates were speaking clearly to that message, uh, who were able to mount really strong campaigns in very unforgiving campaign conditions uh, and really put out a broad vision for the type of New York that we all need to thrive and to come out of this crisis ahead. So we have over 30 candidates come out successfully in their uh, primary bids. Uh, who are coming out of their candidacy and now moving towards aligned governance with a clear progressive mandate and message um, buoyed by protests and movements led by young people, by people of color. So what we've really seen is a transition um, and the ascendance of movement politics and the translation of that into political power. So talk about the mechanics of some of these victories. And and for those of us who, who don't work on campaigns, who, who weren't following these campaigns individually closely, what does having the Working Families Party backing do? What does the party do for these candidates? How does having your support help, obviously, is one of many factors, but how does that help a candidate to win? What does it mean in terms of practical kind of political material? Well, so I think as folks know, uh, for progressive races and for grassroots candidates, the bread and butter is door knocking, right? And so talking to voters, talking to voters at every single door uh, and really competing for votes through deep relational conversations. Obviously, that was taken out of our playbook this year. And so we pivoted quickly into 
skilling folks on digital and phone banking. So we both did a lot of trainings around campaigning during the pandemic. We uh, opened up our, you know, uh, automated dialers um, to a whole host of candidates and did phone banking every night and uh, supported by our affiliates who make up the party. Uh, we play a big role in alignment and getting progressive support behind candidates, right? Our affiliates range from the nurses, right, who are obviously at the front lines of the pandemic to um, WP champions like uh, like Jumani Williams and people who are in close relations like Zephyr Teacher. So aligning a progressive uh, team of support behind our candidates, nationalizing uh, their their candidacies, whether it's Jamal Bowman or Mondaire Jones, right? Having folks be clear that this is a progressive champion who's running in this district and getting support to fundraising support to candidate training and surrogacy um, uh, recruiting. And then the, the bread and butter in our new era, in our digital era, our text banking, our phone banking uh, programs. And so during the pandemic, we really focused on sharpening and, and building the digital and non-face-to-face tool and really building out a strong, robust absentee ballot program, which historically and kind of traditionally is not central to our, you know, to progressive grassroots campaigning. But we knew absolutely if we want to drive up turnout, we had to have really strong absentee ballot chase uh, and conversations and ballot education for voters in a moment where people were not sure whether the president would be on the ballot or not, right? Went back and forth, whether people would get a ballot or just an application. So doing really strong ballot education and then talking to voters, have you received your ballot yet? Um, this is how you fill it out, mail it. Um, uh, seems that we saw that folks were not getting that ballot education, voter education elsewhere. And what we did then see is very high return on absentee ballots up and down the state and in districts and with voters who historically do not vote absentee. Uh, and so that kind of dedicated and uh, dedicated follow-up program really paid off dividends uh, in these electoral races. So you, you mentioned a couple of highlights in terms of congressional candidates like Jamal Bowman and uh, Mondaire Jones. Those were obviously very high-profile wins. Um, Tell us, uh, pick a couple in the state legislative races. Um, there are yeah. obviously dozens, but are there were there a couple of particular campaigns where the WFP put a lot of resources, especially, or ones that you're especially proud of? Um, I know that sometimes it's going to be like you know choosing your favorite child, but putting that aside for a second, <laughs> nobody, nobody nobody can feel left out. Um, but just a couple examples, right? Right. No, absolutely. We are proud. We are deeply proud of all the candidates that we endorsed and a couple of races that really stood out and will really show a shift in uh, in the balance of power, in the type of legislation that will pass. For example, someone who's close to our heart, Khalil Anderson, right, who leads not only an affiliate, right, an organization within the party, the Rockaway Youth Task Force, but will be the youngest uh, member of his body, a 24-year-old black man, community organizer, who led with an environmental justice framework when he started his organization and then led with the same vision of what is an equitable recovery to our crisis in the Rockaways that has been so hard hit uh, by COVID and has been at the front line of environmental injustice. Um, Anna Kellis, who ran in Ithaca on a really strong um, 
environmental justice, uh, full, fully funded education, uh, health care for all platform in Ithaca and one in a very crowded field. Jessica Gonzalez Rojas, right, who won against an incumbent uh, and will be the first Latina to represent this majority immigrant district, right, who's first, who the first time is getting a person of color representative and uh, has, has really built broad support. And then there are lots of great races that we did with our uh, friends at DSA, for example, Marcella Mateens, who's a tenant activist, formerly undocumented immigrant mother, who has been leading at the front lines of, of, of tenant um, rights, of housing justice. Um, Jabari Briscourt, as folks know, also a public school teacher who is a DSA member, who we're happy to, to support also. Um, and so up and down the state in Rochester, Demond Meek, an organizer um, who ran on a really strong campaign for economic justice built on the organizing he's done uh, in his district for years. And so up and down, I can name you know, dozens more of organizers running for office with WFP support and really bringing their communities with them to the polls. No, that was um, that was that was perfect in terms of uh, the question and choosing a few examples, and I appreciate it. I just want to follow up on that. There, there's 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 basically three three sort of categories for these races, right? There's open seats, no incumbent running. Uh, then there's there's sort of um, incumbents uh, that you're trying to defeat. Uh, where I see it, where there's very, very clear distinctions, whether it's demographic matching the district with a candidate who more represents the, the bulk of the people in the district or a generational change or a philosophical change, ideology that matches the WFP. Then there's a couple races where it seemed like I, I couldn't quite, you know, I mean, there were obviously differences with the candidates you back, but, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure that they were so stark. And, and that was kind of evident to me. Uh, in a few races, and I'm wondering how you sort of decide which incumbents to go after. So I think first and foremost, right, the WFP is made up of voting members, voting affiliates. So everything happens through our democratic process of members coming together and talking about the candidates, their communities, their districts, the moments that we're in, right? And so a lot goes into choices people make, right? Whether people feel like the moment is ripe for a really bold challenge, like with Jamal Bowman, right? We've had a long time relationship with Congressman Engel and folks felt that this was the moment and we had a, part a particularly well-qualified candidate uh, to really run and bring new energy, new vision, uh, deep representation up and down the, up and down the district. Um, so I think that a, a lot goes into looking at who the candidate is. Jessica Gonzalez Rojas, uh, she had a clear vision for how to lead on all sides of her district, right? And spoke really to the heart of the moment that we're in, um, even before COVID, right? The crisis of, of unequal outcomes, of joblessness, of, um, you know, the marginality of immigrant communities in her district and her wanting to lead on all fronts. And so we, what we pride ourselves on is that we don't use the traditional like algorithms of viability, right? That the democratic establishment uses of, can you raise X number of dollars? Have you run for office before? Have you come through this training program? We look at whether people are connected authentically to base, right? To organizations, to people, to community, 
to whom they are accountable to, whether someone has a willingness to run very clearly on the values and visions of our party um, and to work in line with us towards that victory at the polls and then in governance uh, and whether they have the the ability to create that momentum and energy that gets voters to feel bought in and excited about a campaign. And so we have these very deliberative endorsement processes where members are in you know, a room all day talking to the candidates and then debriefing together. All of that information, that input, that debate goes into our decision, which means that it's, uh, it is human, right? It is very much a looking at the field and what people feel uh, ready, excited for, and with the candidates, uh, how strong the candidates are ready to run on a message that we think can really transform the field and then transform the legislative body that they're going to enter into. So we have about 45 seconds left, and I want to turn just quickly to <laughs> okay. the, fo- the fall election. And how do you think the successes that your that WFP enjoyed uh, in June and in the tallies that were completed weeks later, how does that translate into trying to protect the party's ballot status, given the new challenges that the landscape has. How are you planning to try to maintain that? What's what's the strategy look like and what's the outlook? Well, what we see is we're still in this historic crisis is that people, voters are looking to vote their values, which is what our party and our line has always been about, right? How do we send a message? How do we imbue meaning to our votes? When people are going to be voting on the WFP line, they're going to be voting to reject austerity. They're going to be voting for full recovery. They're going to be voting for black lives. We're building a campaign. We're building a momentum to ensure that even in a two-party system, even in a blue, a triple blue state, that there is still a vehicle and a way for people to act in concert together and vote for the type of future that they want. And so we're going to be using this election to put that vision forward. Uh, we're going to be looking forward to electing candidates like Michelle Hinchy and Karen Smythe and Michael Marcantonio right in marginal districts and add to a WP Democratic energy at the state level and put our energies towards defeating Trump at the federal level. Well, thank you. I think you got that in within the 45-second time frame. So thank you so much for your your brevity and uh, clarity. Uh, Sochi Nemeka from the Working Families Party, thanks very much for joining us. Please come back soon. I will. It's a pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. So, Ben, two great guests. Uh, a quick thought on uh, the latter conversation? Well, I think we're getting at something there at the end that I just want to highlight. And while, you know, uh, unfortunately, we had a little glitch getting Sochi on, so we were a little delayed in getting to the stuff we wanted to. But, you know, the most probably the most important candidate for the Working Families Party in the fall is going to be Joe Biden, at least here in New York, where they need um, him to get what will not really be known uh, in terms of the number of votes on their ballot line that's on the WFP ballot line in order to keep their ballot line. So that'll be something we can discuss closer to Election Day again and have Sochi back on that. But that's just something I'm thinking about a lot as they clearly are building momentum, but they have that big test in front of them. Yeah, exactly. And that is uh, interesting that, uh, you know, kind of a candidate who's seen as a centrist will be uh, essential to the W Working working Family Party survival, one of many uh, ironies I'm sure this election will produce. Have a great week in the greatest city in the world.